so Wampus Cat, I I interviewed Kevin Valdez, the bass player of the band Lit. Which was a good conversation. You know, that's a band that I wouldn't say I had their records or anything by any means, but as I told him that their most well-known song, probably my own worst enemy, is a song that when I hear it, it reminds me of a very specific time and place, and that's Greenville, North Carolina, my freshman, sophomore year college. And um, he was an interesting guy to talk to because they uh, they've explored a lot of musical territory in their career, and um, I think Wampus Cat is going to be fun. That song, "My Own Worst Enemy," um, when we were doing promotion for the. Uh, you know, when they were named one of the performers and we were doing promotion, I, uh, I'm very familiar with that song. You heard it every five minutes, pretty much in the nineties. But, um, I, I learned that it, I think for like two straight years, um, it was the most played song on the radio for two straight years. And, um, there's a documentary being made about the song. Wow. <laughs> There's a four-part podcast out there that just dives into that song, and uh, I don't know what is what is it about it that um, that that requires all these in-depth <laughs> looks at it. It's a very simple song, but it's also uh, you know it's catchy. It's, it's catchy as hell, and so uh, I, I'm interested in um, in I guess hearing about that because. You know, we asked uh, J.R. Richards, the lead singer from Dishwalla, his big song was Counting Blue Cars. And that was another song that, um, you know, you couldn't go 30 minutes or an hour in the 90s without hearing on the radio. Just how a song like that changes, changes your life. And he he talked about how his band was going from uh, trying to make rent and just seeing if they could eat every week to all of a sudden, you know, uh, set for life pretty much because of this one song and uh um it's just interesting it's interesting to me how you could just hit it with just that one song and and be set for the rest of your life did did he go into any of that uh yeah i i asked him that same question you know that you asked jr richards just what is having uh was having a song like that having been part of a song like that due to your life and he had a lot to say yeah so Billy, you're talking about camping out at Wampus Cat. Are you? Yeah, you, I, I got to look at the weather there. <laughs> you, you, you trying to do both nights? No, no, no. It would just be that first night if yeah. I did. Yeah. Um, but uh, I mean, I'm definitely going to it. Uh, I just, I have, I'm undecided on the camping part of it at the moment. But uh, you and I went out to the field. Um, when was it? I guess it's last week and uh, just looked at the enormous, the enormous, <laughs> the enormity of it. It was, it's a huge place. And you can, you and I were talking, you can have 15 to 20,000 people out there. And I think they would be very happy with that kind of crowd, but you could have 15 or 20,000 people out there and it would look like 200 people because it's just so much room out there. <laughs> a lot of space. And and Jeff Popka told me that they're capping attendance for the first year at 15,000 and, you know, capping attendance at an event may, you know, it wouldn't have been the first thing that sprung to my mind, but I don't plan 
concert festivals, but, you know, he explained very rationally to me that the last thing you want is for too many people to be there that you can't serve and that you can't allow to have a good time. If you cap it at a respectable amount, like 15,000 people, and I struggle to think of any time an event around here has drawn 15,000 people, but if you if you cap, if you hit that number and you can make sure you're doing everything right, you can scale up the next year. But if everything's a disaster the first year, you know, it's, it's a lot harder to, 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 to work backwards from that. So, yeah, I mean, it's interesting that they would cap it. I would, I would see, I would find it hard to believe that they would turn people away, but if it gets to that point, I think they would be very happy about that. Yeah. He had to do that but i was i was talking to um some a, a source and i won't i won't give up my source but uh he or she brought up some um some interesting uh i guess things things about that go into the planning of a concert like this that you don't think about and one of them is getting the proper electricity cell coverage and yeah. wi-fi out there and that's something that they're still talking about, like right now. This is still something that's very much part of the planning. You didn't think about that. I mean, you and I were standing out there, and I don't, I don't know that I looked at my phone to see what the cell coverage was, but it is, you know, it's about five miles away from Broadway. It's about 10, 15 miles away from Sanford, maybe 10 miles away from Sanford, uh, downtown Sanford. And I don't know where the nearest cell coverage is, but just getting the Wi-Fi capabilities out there and, and not just so you're, I mean, you want your audience to have Wi-Fi, but you got to imagine all these bands need, need all that stuff. They, they need it to, <laughs> you know, they, they need, it need to be able to communicate. They you need, need it to be able, you, you need it to run sound now. Yeah. So um, th- that, you know, things like that is uh, just an enormous amount of planning that goes into this. And I know, well, Jeff, you, know, you, you and I were thinking 15,000 people, but if you think about just the number of people that go into putting this together, the number of people that go into running the sound and the stage, um, all the bands that are there, which is 90 plus bands, all those bands, people, um, yeah. you, you, you don't even think about the audiences there. You just think about the people that are performing, the people that are with the performers and the people that are playing it that's gotta be two or 3000 people right there, you know? Yeah. It's, it's a lot of people. And, um, it's Wi-Fi specifically, Jeff told that, you know, one of the, one of the things that was most challenging to him was the Wi-Fi deal. And he had only last week, he told me that that had only been resolved. I think the week prior Wi-Fi, but that was, that was a stress to, to, to strike a deal for, to provide someone like that. So it's not, it's certainly not something I would have thought of, um yeah but so yeah so the, you're saying they're gonna probably have like a like a provider out there and they'll have yeah they'll have wi-fi yeah someone some some people walking around with uh with iPhone. you know holding up the iphone hotspots yeah hotspots yeah <laughs> a walking hotspot <laughs> yeah that's the job i want walking hotspot yeah be popular yeah but yeah, I'm I'm excited about it. And we could talk about it more next week leading up to it. And and I hope um, we're able to get photos and video from it as well. I'm I'm uh, I'm excited about it, but I'm also I'm just uh, I think I'm as much as I'm excited to see any of the musicians or artists. I'm I'm equally excited to see just how they pull this off. Yeah, yeah. I think that's 
the most interesting angle for me too. Um, just that it's cool that something like this is happening here and I want to see it go well. And I'm, I'm interested in the logistics as well. We need to watch uh, Wayne's world two as a, <laughs> as a refresher before this happens. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we also need to take notes for when we have our big rant uh, 90 band festival. Yeah. Rant fest. Rant fest. <laughs> yeah. Off the pay, hey, yeah, no one else to pay, yeah, yeah. I know I've seen better days. I'll be fine. What's one more walk of shame? Off the pay, yeah, yeah, no one else to pay, yeah, I know I've seen better days. I'll be fine. What's one more walk of shame? Kicked off the pay, yeah, yeah, hey, yeah, no one else to pay, yeah, 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 I know I've seen better days, I'll be fine, what's one more walk of shame, guest is is uh kevin baldis he's the uh, bass player of the rock band lit and everybody knows a lit song i'm sure um i know that it's you know it's been a million years ago but you know i can't hear my own worst enemy without thinking back to a very specific time and place in my life you know how does that affect your life having a song that big that everybody knows uh you know 
it's, it's afforded us and it's opened many doors, which I'm very thankful for. Um, I, you know, with a song like that, I still get to do what I'm doing. And I mean, we just got back from a, a very successful UK tour. And every time we do something like that, I, I think to myself, man, I'm still doing this, you know, I, right. I did, I guess I don't, I didn't really know what to expect when everything happened in 99, but, uh, as I get older, I, I'm more and more thankful that, uh, I still get to walk out the door and, and, um, make a living doing this and, uh, and, and people still come out. It's, it's, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Um, so I, as I, I should have mentioned, Lit is going to be one of the many acts playing the Wampus Cat Music Festival that's uh, May, um, May 13th, 14th, and 15th, uh, just outside Sanford. Um, just wanted to kind of talk to you about how your involvement came about. It's obvious you guys have been, you know, pretty active uh, throughout the years, but how did you get involved in this event specifically? Well, our agent got a hold of us, obviously, and, and brought, brought the, uh, the festival to our attention. Um, I love going there because I got some friends out there. So, uh, okay. and we, and, you know, over the years, we've played out there many a time and, and um, you know, got fond memories of the area, of course. But uh, it's funny. I was just on the website yesterday just because I'm the guy in the band that checks out uh, festivals and things that we're doing, like in the event that we're there the night before. What's going on? Is there bands I can go see? I don't know that we're going to get there the night before. I believe it's Everclear the night uh-huh. before. Yep. I would love to see those guys. I just went to see them uh, locally uh, in California. Uh, I don't know, five or five months ago, I guess they played a, a venue by us. And I, I went down, of course, we know those guys, we've done a million shows with them. Um, and even prior to us making it, AJ and I used to go see them all the time. Every time they would come through. You know, yeah. Them. But um, it, it looks like a really cool festival, you know, and it's cool. You got three stages. There's a country stage an alt rock stage and then like a rock stage or something like that. Yeah. Right? Like, like independent, I guess. Yeah. Which, yeah, which encompasses really cool. a lot of different things. Yeah. It's, yeah. It, it is. And I, we're covering the hell out of it because stuff like this hasn't really happened around here before and it's starting to happen and it's a really cool thing. Um, so it's cool that you're a part of it. And, and I was going to ask about that. You know, there seems to be sort of a common theme of some of these bands that had some really big hits in the nineties and continued on. And so, so these are art artists that you have, have done things with over the years and played shows of with course, and watched. Yeah. Yeah. Especially Everclear. We've done multiple tours with them and, um, yeah. you know, art lives in LA. Um, I believe he still lives in LA, but to the best of my knowledge, he lives in LA. Right. And, uh, um, yeah, they're, they're a great band and, and the guys in the band are great. I keep in touch with them. Freddie, the bass player, you know, us bass uh-huh. players need to stick together. Right. Um, and then you were mentioning, uh, what did you just mention that I was going to, uh, you know, you build it, they will come. You build a cool festival like this and, and people will come, you know. Yeah. So you did it right because you're giving people um, different options, you know, the country option, the local kind of flavor option, and then the rock option. Um, you're drawing a bunch of different people in. And, and if you do this every year, people almost kind of start planning their vacations or their their outings, you know, on something like this. So if you just keep doing it, it'll build and it'll build. And, and, um, so come here. Oh, you got a critter there. Yeah. Every time time I'm sitting at the table, she wants to get up and have food. Here, (laughs) beautiful. Have your food. (laughs) So, um, I, I did want to talk about country music a little bit because, and this is something I didn't know, but you guys, 
did an album that uh, is is spoken of as you know having a sort of country element to it was that um like a conscious decision to try something you hadn't done what 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 brought that on well it, jeremy has been going out to nashville for some time aj and jeremy now live in nashville they've lived there okay. uh, a couple of years whatever but uh, i still live in california um yeah, I think I think them being in, in certain circles and and writing with people. I mean, it, I've been there before. I've written with them in different circles before. Uh, it's really infectious, you know. It's really, yeah. um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, inspirational, you know. Yeah. You sit sitting down with like minded people, and um, any kind of song can happen—a rock song or a um, Americana type song or a country song. And I just think over time they'd written enough material. It was like, Hey, let's, let's give this a shot. And uh, I will be honest. It wasn't my, for, for lit. It wasn't my decision, mm -hmm. you know, because I'm, I lean maybe more rock and roll, hard rock, metal, um, alt rock. I'm that guy right. in the band. Uh, and AJ leans a different, AJ kind of like leans my way, but then Jeremy's way. And then Jeremy is like a predominant like country. He likes country music and that's mm -hmm. fine. My wife listens to predominantly country music. Um, so, you know, I, I hear it around the house every so often, but uh, there are some great songs on the album. I will give them that. Um, Someday Maybe is a group, one of my favorite songs, Fast, which mm -hmm. I can't believe it, but I actually, my buddy Kevin Garcia and my myself did a video for our song fast off the country album and it okay. went to number one on cmt which was very kind of cool you know in a way because yeah. it's not our genre at all but we did you know we did fairly well with that and we even did some country festivals which our set was kind of loaded so in regards to trying something new and and um if you're a lit fan you know that we never put out the same album twice you know, every album's been fairly different um you know, it definitely has a lit thing about it because it's us playing it. It sounds like AJ singing. It sounds like Jeremy's guitar playing and whatever, but um, we never do anything twice, you know? So right. it just kind of is fine for the catalog, you know? Um, yeah. Currently we're not playing any of the country songs. We're focusing more on um, some of the earlier established music we've released and we're, um, we've got about three or four songs that are new ones from the new album. And I got to be honest with you again, the new album is probably one of my favorite albums. And I would almost let it go toe to toe with a place in the sun, which is yeah. the album that most people know by us. You know, it has a lot of great songs on it. And I'm the one guy in the band pushing to play more of the new music live where, as you know, you go to, you go see Iron Maiden. The last thing you want to hear is like new music. You want to hear yeah. all the old cuts. I mean, and I'm the same guy, but with this new album, I'm like, dude, let's play this, this, and this off the new album. They're like, whoa, easy. You know, we got to, we still got to play over my head and someone, you know, so. Right. Well, the, the songs I was sent from the new record, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And kicked off the plane, especially, I mean, those, those feel like they could fit in at any era. Um, I mean, they're great. There's like a real power pop element that, that, maybe I hadn't even pair or maybe I didn't know what power pop was in 1999, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I could, I could hear it really well. And I mean, it sounds like a band that's um, that's still got a lot of creativity going and still excited to be in the studio and still excited to be writing. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, it's funny. We, uh, like I mentioned before, we just got off a UK tour and we were playing kicked off the plane on that tour. And 
you could feel the energy, even though like maybe they're not completely moving around live, but you could see the heads bob in unison as that chorus hits. And right. when you're on stage and you're 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 looking at like two thousand people, and you could see a, a a consensus going on in the audience, and you could see the heads and the body movement moving a little bit more to this particular song. You right. know, you're onto something, and that's that's exactly how we chose "Miserable" to be a, a single for us back in '99, actually two thousand is we were on tour and every time we played miserable you can get a consensus from the crowd that they enjoyed that song so we actually went yeah. to rca and said hey you, you know we'd like to make miserable a single and they're like really and we're like yeah the, the crowds every night are digging it so and we nailed it because it, it did really well for us you know and and the and the label listened to you because i know that's a thing like the label doesn't always not uh, always but yeah. they did this time and then they were they were thankful you know yeah that's awesome um and so the the set you were talking about, you said you're not currently playing uh, many or any of the country songs. Is Correct. that the set that you're going to be bringing to North Carolina next month or later yeah. this month? Yep. Okay. So you're going to get all the cuts that you love from Lit and you're going to get a few new ones that I know or I would bet that you're going to love as well. So it's a fun show. Um, a lot of energy, of course. And uh, this this is going to be a high energy set. Um, what you would expect if you know, if you know Lit, this is going to yeah. be. Okay, great, great. Very yeah. cool. I wanted yeah, to talk. Go ahead. I was I was going to say we're going to bring a, a bit of our Orange County uh, rock, pop, pop rock, punk rock kind of flavor to the to the show. Hold on. I, somebody's at my door. <laughs> no worries. This is going to be funny. This is the stuff that makes interviews great. Yeah. Hey, how's it going? Good. Yeah, come on in. I'm actually doing an interview right now, but come on in. No, 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 it's all good. Sorry, just getting something worked on in my house. Oh, no worries. <laughs> I, I know. Keeping it, it real right here on this interview. Yeah. You uh, I mean you you mentioned where I was gonna go next. You mentioned being in an Orange County band and being, you know, the the pop rock, the punk rock. And I'm actually I've lived in North Carolina most of my life now, but I grew up in Southern California and um that would that that was where I got my first exposure to the music that absolutely changed my life like I love all kinds of stuff but that punk rock thing you hear it when you're 13 and it's just infectious and I'm just curious about your background with it not specifically punk rock but just that whole music in in Los Angeles in general in the in the 80s and 90s and, and what drew you into being in bands and being in a band that like lit um I I uh sorry um of course, I was born. I'm not going to give you the year I was born, but <laughs> so I was born and I had a nine, uh, a sister that was nine years older than me. Okay. And so I grew up on a heavy dose of like 70s pop rock. Uh-huh. And then, of course, the 80s came rolling in and uh, MTV and all that. But I, although I don't have any brothers per se, you know, I grew up on a street where there was a lot of boys my my age that had older brothers and stuff. So a lot of their record collections ended up being part of my um, of, of the stuff I grew up on. Um, and some of that was Van Halen, Devo, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Arge, you know, obviously Kiss. So Kiss and Van Halen, although I didn't imagine myself wearing costumes and, and makeup, and it was a Kiss was a little bit out of reach, but it was, it kind of drew me in like, oh, this is rock and roll and like right. black leather and darkness and, you know, the blood and the fire and everything. But then that went parlayed right into Van Halen. And, and to this day, I mean, my wife makes fun of me. I'll put on YouTube on our TV and, and dial in Unchained by Van Halen. Yeah. I have to watch it. But then as time went on, you know, more and more bands, you get older and you start 
you know, liking more and more bands and whatnot. But growing up in the Southern California area, of course, uh, then the punk rock kind of comes in in our area. You got social distortion, Descendants, yeah. um, and and that kind of stuff. Uh, which I'm a huge fan of the Descendants. I'm a huge fan of social distortion. Oh yeah. So you know, in a way you can kind of like list the top 50 bands between AJ, Jeremy and I. And if you put all those bands together, you'll probably get lit, you know? Right. And so that's really cool too. And it going looping back to the country thing. One of the things I think is really cool about country music, especially as I've gotten older and, and I get more open-minded about music with every year, course. but like those songs and punk rock songs and power pop songs, they're all kind of built on the same foundations in a lot of cases yeah. And yeah. it's, it, it comes down to production choices that make them sound, you know, one thing or the other. And I just, right. I think that's really cool. And you talking about Van Halen and Kiss and Social Distortion and maybe some country artists all rolled into one that makes lit, that, that makes so much sense to me. Yeah. Aside from us releasing a country album, I, I have a Johnny Cash tattoo un, under my nice. arm. Awesome. And uh, I actually got to see Johnny Cash when I was a little kid. It's a long, it's, I'm going to spare you the long story of it, but my, my dad was, when we went to church, my dad was asked to be in the um, Billy Graham. You remember Billy Graham? Oh yeah. He's a big deal out here. Yeah. Well, he was, I think yeah. he's dead now, but yeah. he, uh, he did the huge crusade here at our, at our stadium um, in our neck of the woods. And he um, would have Johnny Cash on the road with him and Johnny Cash would play some songs and whatnot. But my mom and dad owned Johnny Cash albums when I was growing up, actually Sun Records recordings mm -hmm. and, uh, so I love that. I, dude, yeah. I take my, my, I've taken my son to see Willie Nelson. Dude, oh, you, wow. you got to grab those classics while you can, yep. man. Dude, John, yep. uh, Willie Nelson just turned, I think, 98 yesterday. Wow. And still I, touring. I saw Willie Nelson. It's probably been 20 years, but it was one of those bucket list things that like you, you check that box to make sure you have it. Cause yeah. like Johnny Cash, I never got to see him. That would have been, yeah. that would have been amazing. So that's, yeah. that's an experience to have. Yeah. Buck Owens and all that. Oh, yeah. And, and you know, that's something that a lot of people don't realize about Southern California as well, is that there's actually a pretty strong country tradition that comes out of maybe not Orange County, maybe not Los Angeles specifically, but parts of Southern California have. Some, Bakersfield, yeah, you got yeah. Earl Haggard and, and uh, what's his face? I just mentioned uh, yeah. coming out of there. Yeah, exactly. So. Um, but yeah, you're right. Orange County especially has a huge, we have we have different uh festivals that happen here all the time the hoedown the hoot nanny and all that but you'll get face to face you'll get band you'll get social yeah. distortion you'll get mike ness and x and all those kind of bands that walk yeah. that fine line you know yeah it's so, really cool to to look backwards and find all the threads that connect yeah different things and and that's, yep. that, that's cool that you guys have, have been open to that um, course, yeah so, cool well i'm i'm very excited i don't want to take too much more of your time but is there no, anything no else anything else you wanted to add about you know what people can expect yeah, from your show yeah. yeah we've got three songs released right now from the upcoming album um tastes like gold um mm -hmm. i'm super proud of this album I, I haven't been this proud of an album in a, in a while not to say that our other, other albums are crap but this one in particular i really am proud of it's really yeah. if you've ever liked lit or listened to lit or anything or ever bought a lit album this next album is uh, comes out june 17th would be something for you to grab and, and catch us on the road if you can uh, if we're going to be near you definitely come out and check us out Excellent. Great. Well, thank you so much, Kevin. And uh, you got it, Gordon. Thank look, you, man. Look forward to seeing you at the festival. All right, buddy. You too. Yeah. Come over and say hi to me for sure. A absolutely. We'll do. We'll do. Okay, Take bye. care.
shenanigans by the lee county conservative ballot committee yeah i was i was familiar with it before that because uh it had come across i think a couple social media posts from people i'm friends with on on various social media outlets and uh um so i guess i'm a bit confused the controversy there is that whoever uh, correct me if I'm wrong. The controversy is that whoever sent it out didn't have, um, didn't go through the right processes to distribute that information. Is that correct? Like they were supposed to get that approved or, um, well, or yeah. show political spending and show, uh, I mean, there had to be some kind of steps they had to go through to hand out. Is that correct? Uh, that's, that's the allegation in Jake Allendine's complaint. Okay. Um, it does appear that they have now registered their committee with the state board of elections. Um, okay. But so, I mean, you know, further, I, I, I don't think the story was done because it's illegal to, you know, meddle in yeah, the I don't primary. Know I, but at the I same don't know time, that I've it's seen another party hand out um, endorsements in a primary like that for the opposite party. And the way I look at it is 
if I'm a Democrat and I'm my name is marked on that ballot, that's not doing me any good. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I mean, unless there are, and I know there's allegations of this, unless there are Democrats who switch parties for the primary so they can dilute the field or whatever, um, it would take a lot of people to do that for that to be, have any kind of impact. But otherwise, you know, if it's just straight up, here's who we endorse. Uh, I, if I'm a Democrat, I don't want any part with that list. I'm, I'm happy that I'm not marked or, or I'm, uh, I'm, I'm upset that I am marked, you know, um, even if, if like, I, I just for the, for example, the, the mayoral race, um, they endorse uh, Rebecca over Sam. And I think they have the words um, local businesswoman or you know, I, I can't remember the exact wording on it. Pro-growth, I think it was. Pro-growth businesswoman, correct. And uh, yeah, That's- like I said, if I'm, if I'm Sam, I'm like, you know, <laughs> I'm using that to my advantage. If I'm Rebecca, I'm trying to distance as far away from that as I can. I mean, look, if I'm running for office, I want the support of everybody. But um, when it comes to a primary like that, uh, I just don't think that's doing anybody any favors, especially as as uh, as divided as we are politically, um, not only locally but nationally, and and how uh, um, uh, less than professional sometimes the that other party comes off. <laughs> I just like I said, it, it's it's an interesting story to me for those reasons, but uh, interesting also if um, if there if we don't know who supposedly if we don't know who's really behind it i think we have an idea who's behind it but oh yeah you you, uh you you raised a a point that i've been thinking about it we didn't really address it in the story but because probably it's it's hard to empirically say this but the phrase pro-growth was interesting to me as well um because all you have to do is look at the comments on any story that we write about growth and um you will see that pro-growth could be argued to not be a, a really popular position in this community isn't, right now. And isn't that amazing? So, like it, you, we've gone the last, you and I, Gordon, the last uh, 15 to 20 years in this, in this city professionally, hearing it just over and over from people. Why aren't we doing this? Why aren't we bringing people in? Why aren't we, why are we stuck in our ways? Why aren't, and then it finally starts happening and it's just the most negative thing in the world to some people. Oh, we ain't ready for this. We don't have the infrastructure for this. Our schools can't handle this. Why are we doing that? And I don't think, I think growth catches up to growth. You know, I think I, 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 it's I not was, like we're going to sit on our hands. <laughs> I was <laughs> having a conversation with somebody yesterday about this, somebody who's involved in the home building industry and not that this is inherently political, but I will say this person is not somebody that that I agree with on politics. I mean, we still are able to have good conversations, but this person pointed out that if you went to all these people who are saying we don't have the schools, we don't have the roads, we don't have the infrastructure, et cetera, et cetera. If you went to them and said, all right, we're going to make, you know, we're going to expand every road in town to a four lane. Um, we're going to build three new schools. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. We're going to raise your taxes to do it. And we hope the growth follows. What would the, the same people would be absolutely against that. Well, so, I think, I think most people should be against that because. Right. That's not the way it works. <laughs> that's not yeah. the way it works. 
Um, I've, when I first moved here, uh, I wrote a, a very early column um, when I was the editor at the Sanford Herald about how, how different I thought Sanford was and Sanford and Raleigh, the whole triangle region was from where I'd come from, which was South Louisiana. And in South Louisiana, Lafayette, Louisiana, um, before Hurricane Katrina in the 90s and early 2000s, um, Lafayette, Louisiana experienced tremendous growth, just like unbelievable growth. And um, they didn't, they certainly did not have the roads to, uh, to handle that growth. And driving through that city was a complete disaster. It was uh, just a, a terrible experience living there to go three or four miles took 15 to 20 minutes if you hit bad timing. And, and it was like that for a huge stretch of my, I mean, just the entire city was this way. And when I moved here, one of the things I noticed about Raleigh Durham was it was a city also experiencing growth, but Raleigh and Durham was more spread out and the, there's just so much green up here and there's so many, um, uh, so many well-planned roads and then that new uh, tollway that they had built, which alleviated some of that. And then um, you go down to Sanford and it's not like we are a, a city or a county that, that doesn't have just huge amounts of land that can handle some of this stuff. We have US-1, we have the bypass. Um, Horner Boulevard, if you think Horner Boulevard traffic is bad, you have not lived anywhere that has experienced real traffic we we are not we <laughs> so just when it comes to roads alone um we have the roads to handle this i mean it can it can get bad don't get me wrong it, it can get terrible if um if it's not planned correctly but it's not like we were already um packed like sardines here there's a, there was a tremendous room for growth here and oh. and it's finally starting to happen and even if these 10 to 12,000 homes come to fruition, um, like we reported, uh, I think the city could handle 20 to 30,000 more just based on what's available out there. Now, you don't want it to get to that point, but I think what's coming, this city can handle. And and again, I'm not saying this with any kind of professional background in these planning areas, but just having lived in places that could not handle it and shouldn't have handled it, that were continuing to build more homes, more homes on top of homes, um, this is a lot different here. And I think, I think Sanford can handle it. And, uh, um, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's frustrating to, to see all the negative comments and, and, uh, you know, people are going to complain. You can't stop them, but, uh, I, I, I don't know. I don't think it's as bad as they think it's going to be. Well, that's, that's why I brought it up that the phrase pro growth was on the ballot. I don't know that the ballot was necessarily designed to help or hurt either candidate so much as it was designed to uh, maybe sow a little chaos, you know, throw, throw a monkey wrench in things and see what happens. And I, I get the feeling that that's what it was about. I mean, if you're them, wouldn't you want to hand out ballots that you thought your opponent could beat in November? You know, wouldn't that be your objection? Well, they, yeah, well, they, they don't they don't have a candidate in the race. So, yeah, that's true. That's true. I guess they, guess whoever drew it up, thinks they can work better with um, Rebecca Wyhoff than they can with uh, uh, Rebecca Salmon. I'm sorry, with uh, uh, than they can with Sam Gaskins. But um, I, I don't know. It, it was interesting. Or maybe 
you know, they wanted to tag her as somebody who's responsible for all this growth that everybody's mad about. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. I can't I can't get inside the mind of somebody who would do something like that. So so it's it's it was by endorsing them, they were really not endorsing them. Uh, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's 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 an interesting thing. And like you said, I've never seen one party hand out a ballot for the other party's primary. It's are they gonna storm the courthouse if it goes wrong? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you can keep that in. <laughs> we did we delete a lot of comments on this one on this podcast, but you can keep that one in. Well, Richard, you had a couple stories toward the end of the month and in the printed edition, the newest printed edition about some action by the um, County Board of Commissioners on on new developments that was to that was to take place, I guess, Monday. Is that right? Yes. Uh, the their hearing was scheduled on Monday and then uh, th- that all kind of got uh, thrown into disarray because of the uh, change in the schedule because of the budget uh, hearings that are taking place. So their next county commission meeting won't be until the 16th, I believe, of this month. Okay. So they'll have they'll hold that hearing then, and that's for the um, the um, two developments. One I think is is just a little northeast of Broadway, and the other uh, I believe uh, is in the pocket area. Mm-hmm. I believe you described. Uh, so and and those are a little uh, a little different because typically when we hear those kinds of developments, uh, it's the city having to deal with them because developers want access to city water and sewer, and so they go to the city and get annexed. But those are just so far out um, that they uh, they just it didn't make uh, economic sense, you know, either for them or for the city to go that route so they went to the county instead and and they made their plea and um uh it was it was interesting to uh, to listen to those uh adjoining homeowners uh make the case that they had uh, many of them had fled the cities uh so that they could go back to a, a rural way of life and uh, others of them had grown up on uh, those pieces of property that had been in their families for for generations and generations uh, belonged to their grandfathers and great grandfathers. And um, um, I know one of the developers talked about the, the soil was unsuitable for um, uh, building in a certain spot, and he called it bad soil. And uh, this young lady stood up and said, my grandfather would say it would roll over his grave if you called it bad, if he heard you call it bad soil, because that same bad soil is what uh, he raised generations of families on. Uh, but, you know, just to, to hear them talk about their experiences was was uh, was interesting to to hear. I really am interested in the uh, in the approach that the county takes on these developments versus what the city does, just because, like I said, it's just a whole different political dynamic because it's the board of commissioners and not the city council. And I'm this goes back to what I was saying about pro growth. You know, is, is this going to become a political issue? Um, and 
I wonder if the county board will answer that question for us when they take up the question of these developments. I think we'll get an answer. Um, and we may have gotten one uh, during the, the hearing the other night because the, when it came time to ask questions, um, there were a couple of questions of the developer and they were just, uh, you know, just sort of innocuous kind of questions, um, nothing substantive. But um, as the, the landowners, and there were probably 50 or more of them, and I'd say probably uh, a dozen of them spoke. But as they spoke, um, the commissioners uh, just um, really seemed unmoved by what uh, what was being what was being said. So we'll see uh, when the vote's taken. Interesting. Interesting.